listening to Helping Those with DID, a podcast of Lydia Discipleship Ministries. Thank you for your desire to gain more understanding of how to best help those with dissociative issues. You can visit our website at www.lydiadm.org. And now let's listen in. Hello, everyone. We're glad to be with you today. And Elaine and I are here together. Elaine had the opportunity recently to share with a room full of 80 counselors at Focus on the Family, specifically about the connection between DID and familial trafficking. And we just thought it'd be a great idea for her to sit down with us here and share the insights with you all that she shared at that presentation. So hello, Elaine. Hi, Lindy. Thanks so much for being here together. And we're really looking forward to what you have to share with us. Well, thank you. I wanted to start with a story of someone that I know. Her name is Kaya. And she was a Jew that went through the Holocaust when she was seven. Her family was taken. I'm not sure if it was to Auschwitz or to Bergen-Bergen, but her mother was separated from her in a different um, building. And as I said, she was seven years old. And it always amazed me that when she came out, she was able to survive, but many of her family members didn't. It always amazed me that People that had gone through the Holocaust didn't all have DID. And I just would question that because you would think the level of trauma that was there would make it so that people would choose dissociation. And I'm sure some did. And of course, PTSD obviously would be part of the issue. But I begin to think of the issue of how old she was. We're going to talk about that a little bit in terms of how that's significant when we're talking about family trafficking and DID. I read a book several years ago called The Death of Memory. And in it, the author named, I think, four or five ways that people dealt with the Holocaust. How did they have the will to survive? Well, he stated that for some people, It was a revenge-based coping. They were going to stay alive until they saw the perpetrators brought to justice. Others were sort of blotting out the day-to-day experiences so that when they were standing for hours outside in the square, they were looking at the clouds and the sun and just not thinking at all about the atrocities that were occurring. Some other people cope by saying, I must have been a bad person. That's why God has let this come on me and on my people. We'll come back in a minute to Kaya's story, but what we're talking about here are two issues, DID and family trafficking. I don't want to say a whole lot about family trafficking other than to just kind of give a thumbnail about it. We hear of non-family trafficking where someone is abducted and held hostage. It could be a person of any age. But when we're talking about familial trafficking, the abuse is at the hand of someone they know. Non-familial trafficking could be just a total stranger. They're not, they've not known this person before. But for those that are involved in family trafficking, they know who's involved. 
They remain in the home, and usually they're managed by family members who benefit by getting money or drugs as the child is repeatedly sold. And there's a facade of normalcy. That's a difference as well. The student goes to school, so there has to be care taken that uh, it doesn't, the teacher doesn't pick up on anything, that there are no scars or anything that the teacher might see. And that facade of normalcy keeps it from being known. So it's a difficult kind of trafficking. If you're thinking of human trafficking in the brothels of India, for example, that's so obvious, but family trafficking is not that way because of that normalcy facade. Probably the most important thing I'm going to say today is that family trafficking is child trafficking. Let me repeat that. Family trafficking is child trafficking. The average age, we're told, is five. And that's also an important factor. We mentioned Kaya's age as well. Often it begins as a toddler, even two and three or even younger. So when we're Talking child trafficking, we're talking about what time did the abuse and trauma start? When did it begin? I don't want to go into some very complex neurobiological thing about what happens in the brain when there's DID, but just to mention a couple of things. Trauma disrupts normal developmental patterns. Actually, they've noted that nine different areas in the brain are changed when there is trauma. And these normal brain development sequences happen within certain windows of time. And if the child chooses dissociation, say, for example, when they're three, that dissociation as a coping skill will more than likely be chosen from that point on. The brain is predisposed to continuing that dissociation. And another reason that dissociation is common in family traffic situations is during that window of development, there can be two totally opposite ideas that the brain is able to absorb. For example, just to make it simplified, if someone tells the child the sun comes up in the east and then the next day he tells the child the sun comes up in the west, the child's brain can't differentiate that. It can't say, now, wait a minute, this both of these can't be true. That's why when we talk about part A and part B of the abused child's life, it makes sense because the brain has not developed the ability to differentiate two opposites. The child sees his life because of the early age or early onset of the abuse as just that, his life. There's no thought of disclosing it to the neighbors or trying to escape because it just seems normal for him. As in Kaya's case at age seven, she had something else going on. She had a stored history of being treated as a human being that the current atrocities were compared to. What I mean is for seven years, she had been treated kindly. She had been treated like a human. And that historical record played against the atrocities that she was currently experiencing. But in other words, she remembered what normal was like. Whereas for family traffic victims, 
especially those that were abused as toddlers, they have no sense of normal. Well, let me just quickly include some clues that a person has DID. Often you'll hear in your counselee's office, they begin talking in the plural. They talk about, we, we did this, we said that. They, they could have lost long periods of time. They may suddenly find themselves in a different town and not know how they got there. Or they may go shopping only to realize it has been five hours and they still are at the mall. They may hear voices or they there may be changes in facial expression and also voice tone. That's really important. As you look at the person, suddenly there might be a very immature sounding voice where the voice tone is even different. And as well, the face can completely change. There may be unexplained cuts and wounds. When you ask them about it, they have no knowledge, no understanding of what has happened. And then lastly, there may have been a history of familial trafficking. Familial trafficking doesn't stop because the next generation decides that it's bad. It usually continues generationally. Well, what should be our response? Let me just mention two or three things as counselors. First, I think we need to refuse the temptation to refer out to another counselor. If someone comes in your office and you hear that they have DID or that they've been trafficked in their family, you may be overwhelmed and think, well, I'm, I'm not going to know what to do or I'm just going to refer this person out. Another thing, to look for familial trafficking background when abuse has started early. A client comes in and you find out that the abuse started when he was four. That should sort of ring a bell in your mind to look for other evidences of family trafficking in that person's situation. And then my last thought is remember that familial DID therapy is really just child therapy. That familial DID therapy is really child therapy. And just apply the appropriate skills that you've been trained in so that you can help those who have been family trafficked. Thank you, Elaine. I appreciate you bringing these insights from that talk to our podcast audience. And I know that they will be helpful to them as they're piecing together family trafficking, DID, and the individual that may be sitting in front of them in the office today. So we're so grateful. And friends listening, we look forward to being with you again soon. Have a great day. You can visit our website for resources at www.lydiadm.org. 